Praise the Lord for this very timely word from God. As of early part of this week, praying about our condition now in our country, living in times of what is ahead. Are we going to lose our democracy and going to socialism? And uh, what is it? How do you handle this? And I said, my question is, can I handle it? Who am I? There's a whole horde of people. I cannot handle it. But I'm coming through my reading through the Bible, coming to Second Chronicles, the Lord says, stop. I have a message for you and for the people that worship together with you. I want to draw attention to myself. There are two prominent leaders. And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1, Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam began Abijah to reign over Judah. Now just to restructure this. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, the first king of Judah after the death of Solomon, when the nation of Israel was divided in the early part of the reign. When Solomon was ready to die, and he passed on the rulership to Rehoboam, there was all, the whole nation of Israel was one, the 12 tribes. And so Rehoboam was approached by the elders and said, what advice can you give me? They said, no, uh, what you do is your dad was very strict on the people and demanding so much. Make it easy. And the people will faithful to you to the end. Okay. Then he called his Barkada, the young young men, and he said, what do you advise? They said, if Solomon was hard and giving the whip, we'll give them the scorpion. What is a scorpion? It's a strand, leather, and metal in it. So when you're whip, it will tear flesh from your body. It's not just stripes, line of the whip. It can pull, uh, just like Many say that was done to Jesus by at the pilot's hall. There were strips of metal on that leather, and when the person is being whipped, it tears out. And so, this is the advice of the young men, the Barcada of Rehoboam. And so, this Jeroboam, who was just a servant and uh, who had ran away to Egypt, but on the death of Solomon came back, and they said, okay, be, represent us to King Rehoboam. We are pleading for mercy. And what happened? The word was finally given after three days. We will make it strict and demand more. And you'll be given the whip, the scorpion. And so, okay, Jeroboam said, what shall we do? Let's go home. And from now on, we'll be apart from Judah and ben Benjamin. And of course, they included uh, Ephraim later on that joined them. And so here is the thing that in Jeroboam, the nation was now divided. Israel, the ten tribes, and then Judah. And of course, the Levites had came in, come in, and uh, those of the Aaronic um, dynasty. And so Jeroboam was the first king of the ten tribes. They chose him to be their leader. 
Now in Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 15, And there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. These ten tribes wanted to overpower and take control of Judah, take control primarily of Jerusalem, fighting and fighting. Now, Abijah, the second king of Judah, was the son of Rehoboam. The Lord was telling to me now, the United States has been under the control of the ungodly and socialist-inclined leaders for a long period of time. And the Church of Jesus wants to bring the country back to God as originally established. We've gone to that. They now remove the Bible from the schools. They have removed prayer from the schools. Even in the great convocation for the invocation, they don't want even a minister to pray for the graduation of big affairs in this, in this school. And so in Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 2, Oh, here talks about in Second Chronicles twelve fifteen for the three years there were always constant wars between the two. The Jeroboam would like to really take over. Okay, in Second Chronicles three verse three, Abijah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war. With that four hundred thousand chosen men. And Jeroboam had set also 800,000 men. Now, there were these constant battles. But now this is a major battle. Talking about the thousands. You see the comparison. 400,000 pro Judah. And Jeroboam 800,000 coming from the ten tribes. They were now coming towards Jerusalem. Somewhere there near Samaria. And here also... Abijah had only 400,000. Why? Only one tribe. Judah primarily. Benjamin, a very small tribe. It is hard. If you were in that situation, like we are in the situation today, we are in the ex extreme minority. And uh, they have the internet. They say that is, they're, they're using, in control, even manipulating the votes. What can we do? Can you go to the judges? Will they be on your side? Now in this frontal conflict, it's not just saying, it's talk. There is 400,000 only here and at 800,000, double. And they say, oh, we're better, uh, we're champion warriors. We are, we are better archers. We are better with the sword. We are stronger. Yeah, Judah, they were more civilized. Although mountainous too, mountain than Judah. But the upper nation, the ten tribes, is more rugged. And those people are more rugged. So, you're going to say, we are better than them. We're only 400,000, but we can handle it. Now, how would you handle it? So here, we're brought to how... About to handle it. And he calls for repentance. Which many evangelists today and prophets were calling for repentance on the nation. 
primarily among the Christians. But here, it's not a Christian or unbeliever. It's a case of Abijah here and Jeroboam him. Now, the first point that Abijah brought out is he represented the divine kingdom. The Davidic kingdom was only divinely established. Why? In Second Chronicles, I didn't copy that proper there, properly there. You know, in verse 4, Abijah stood up upon Mount Zamarim, which is the Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me thou, Jeroboam, and all Israel. And verse 5, Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over to Israel, to David forever, even to him and to his sons by covenant of salt? We did not make just this kingdom. God established it. David became king by the choice of God. Saul was ahead of him. But my grandfather, David, was chosen by God. Who was he? Just a shepherd. But he's established. And they know that. And he's calling them to the remembrance. Just like today, the Bible called, I call you to Jesus Christ. I call you. It's not a comparison of one church to another, but I call you to Jesus Christ. Let's be one in Jesus Christ. Let's go to his word and talk to him above. And then we are caught here by this expression, the covenant of salt. Now, what is the covenant of salt? In Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13, and every oblation of the meat offering, another word for meat offering is food offering. Of course, it is with meat. And these are brought over to there to the temple, and it's primarily for the Levites. And, of course, it is uh, a calf or a sheep or a goat. And as you season it with salt, neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering. With all thine offering thou shalt offer. When you bring the food offering, be sure there's salt. It's well tempered with salt. Secondly, Numbers 18, verse 19. All the heave offerings, heave offering, when they bring offering, it's lifted up. It's heaved up. Lifted up before God. Heave offerings of the things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given thee, and thy sons and thy daughters with thee by the stature forever. It is a covenant of soul forever before the Lord unto, thee, unto thy seed with thee. With that covenant of salt, it is like with a blessing, like oil, anointing with oil. Now, that salt, in that covenant of salt, is sacred. Now, I also consulted somebody who could help me. It's David Gusick. Some of you know him. He's a Bible scholar. He wrote, The promise of God made to David was called a covenant of salt, which meant a serious covenant because it was sealed by sacrifice. Sacrifice always included salt like we quoted a while ago. A covenant also had the following associations. Now, this is his um, thoughts. The Lord revealed upon him in this covenant of salt. Number one, salt always stays pure as a chemical compound. Pure covenant. Number two, it is an endure. Oops, what did I do? Did I go forward? Okay, well. We're pointing here. I'm running forward. I'm getting lost here. Okay. It's enduring. So we can preserve meat by putting salt. It makes it endure. doesn't get spoiled. 
they didn't have refrigerators then. So when they kill me, they cannot eat all of them in one day. And so they put the whistle, not refrigerator, then have it, and they put it so it's enduring. And lastly, it's a valuable covenant. Boy, did not have big machines that can, when they draw water from the Mediterranean, and for the water to evaporate and then have the salt. I remember, remember for years, the mother of my father would get a small pail from the beach and bring there with a pot, putting all this wood and boiling and boiling and boiling. Virtually becomes salt. Yes, she has, she has man-made salt, uh, handmade salt in the home. And so that's what, she, she has no money to buy and the transportation to go to the city. She doesn't bother my dad to go to the city to buy salt. She makes her own salt. And it's very expensive because the production was difficult. You get fuel, there's no gas to burn, keep it burning. They have somebody to gather fuel to keep it. And so it's very expensive. Today, you can buy salt, you know, cheaper, but then, with that, in their concept, it is with salt, and it is very expensive. And just like sometimes when we prepare our food, it is with a lot of things we put in, and when you go to a restaurant, to bring the flavor in, and that's what that gives out to the cost. Now he said, basically, this kingdom is anointed by God with salt. It's a covenant of salt. Now the next point that he bring out. Now, in the case of Jeroboam, it was a rebellion. And then in verse 6, Jeroboam, son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, risen up and hath rebelled against his Lord. Why? Jeroboam was just a servant, not of royalty. He was even nobody. He was never uh, gone from the royalty or a king ahead of him. Secondly, Jeroboam was just proud and elevated himself as a king. I'm somebody. There's a king there, and he will make himself king. And thirdly, Jeroboam had rebelled against Jeroboam, the rightful king. My dad was the rightful king. Yes, he was rough, he was inexperienced, and he was not as wise as his dad Solomon, my grandfather Solomon. And so they looked down on him. <laughs> Becomes very obvious. You say, father is very ex- intelligent and the son, Rehoboam, not as intelligent. And they just put him down. Yeah, it is hard. It's a blessing maybe, but it can be a challenge. So that was a capital that Jeroboam used to put down and, you know, rebel. And so, in Second Chronicles 13, 8, And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David. Your rebellion is not just against us. It's against God. And so the Lord is saying, the rebellion of the liberalists, the rebellion of the socialists, the rebellion of those against God, it's against me, not against a party. It's against me. Oh, you know, if we have the right concept, some are, one even told me last night in our talk, Pastor, 
There are some who are very Democrats, but they trust the Lord. And they're praying. To, they're also genuine Christians, but because of they've been, for generations they were Democrats. I am a Democrat, but then they voted for President Trump because they saw the hand of God upon him. The party system is very strong here in the United States. And, of course, there are even some among the Republicans, too, will be only the Democrats. But it's an issue not of a party but against God. And if we identify it, it's not putting down any party. It's against God and the power of men. God, the power of men. And with this word globalist picture, it's not against God. It's man in power and to depopulate the world in one way or the other. They want to be in power. Now we have to be standing there, make it clear, it is against God that the globalists are working against. Return to the kingdom of God. He is supreme, the ruler. He is the rightful ruler. He is God and God alone. But again, what makes it difficult is the world has come out with their idols. You ask a person, do you believe in God? Yes, I do. Are you sure? No, what they meant is they know God. They know Jesus. They know he was born in Bethlehem, born of the Virgin Mary. But is he your God? Is he your Savior? Do you believe in him to rule over you? No. I only, yeah, I know. That's the confusion of knowing about Jesus and believing Jesus. And that's where the danger is. Many so-called Christians, they've gone through the process, identifying membership and active in the church. But do you believe in God? Is he in control of your life? Do you seek his will? Do you listen to him? Do you seek your, his voice? Do you wait on him? Do you serve him with all your heart? With all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the clever thing that Satan is doing. Yes, you know him. You know about him. But you don't believe in him. You don't really know him. And it's very dangerous. And now, another point. Maybe this advice is a theologian. Or properly advised by others. He is supported by the ungodly. In verse 7, it reads, And there are gathered... Unto them vain men, the children of Belial. So, he's emphasizing. It's vain men and the children of Belial. Belial, Belial is the idol, idol worship. And strengthen themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and tenderhearted and could not withstand them. Solomon, the wisest. Rehoboam, just a son there. You know, not exercising authority. And so Jeroboam come. He was a military leader. He was very sharp. And they took advantage of his youth. That's why many in the schools today, they have been inculcated and made to be socialists in their mind. They want to rebel against the democratic way of life. Even against God. That's why no Bible in the schools, no prayer in the schools. No distinction between male or female. And I heard yesterday that, uh, I don't know how true this is, but later on it will be implemented, possibly, that a child reaching 
eight years old cannot choose what kind of sex he'll be. A male can be a female, a female can be male. Organs we put in, all those things I didn't know, I heard it yesterday. So, are we coming to that? Are we discontented with God and what he has done for us? And we respect only those very intelligent and very eloquent and with our society, but immoral? What is our stand? And these people who were in leadership were vain and idolatrous, supported by vain men and not godly men, and then were still young and tender-hearted. What a great distinction. And that gripped me as I was reading this passage. Wow, so timely. God, are you speaking to me? I want, he said, share it with the church. Because the more the base, well, maybe we are more of the aware, but this is what God was bringing out in this passage. And the next, they had a lot of idolatrous practices. And this is long here. I'll read the scripture. And be... And ye be a great multitude, and there with you golden calves, which Jeroboam made you for gods, in verse 8. Now in verse 9, have ye not cast out the, the priests of the Lord, and some of Aaron, sons of Aaron, and the Levites, and made you priests after the manner of the nations, other lands, so that whoever cometh to consecrate himself with young bullocks and seven rams, they say may be a priest of them of the Lord, what is, are we seeing here? They had golden calves. They cast out the priests of the Lord, who were the sons of Aaron, and made priests after the manner of the nations. It talks about how during the time of Jeroboam did they have priests. If a person comes with a calf and offers himself, oh, you can be a priest now. Not the sons of Aaron, not the Levite, but because they have a generous, they brought a calf, whatever, as an offering. You want to be a priest? Okay. You can now be a priest. Okay, put on robe. And now people bring the offering is yours. Yeah. Especially the, uh, the lower class cannot have a calf. They may have a, a, a lamb, whatever, vegetables. They, that will be yours. You now you're a priest. Like the Levites, they could take all these things that were given to them. And in verse 12, And be God, behold God himself with us, for our captain and his priests with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you, O children of Israel. Fight ye not against the Lord God of your fathers, for ye shall not prosper. Now he makes a distinction. God himself is with us. He is our captain. He is our God. He is our king. With you, here is Jeroboam. And worshiping before an idol is not a God, just wood or stone. But our God, he's our captain. He's not just a title there. He is the one directing us. He's the one ordering us. He's giving us the orders, the captain, giving us the orders. We're not just there uh, having a good time. And like many concepts, God is a Santa Claus. When I need something, I call on him. And I ask him, I ask him this. And then I go on my own way. No, he is our captain. He controls my life. He directs my schedule. He tells me what to do or what not to do. He's my captain. And when the trumpets are sounded, it's an order. Attack. Go for the name of God. And the children of Israel, the ten tribes, 
you are not you should not fight against the Lord God of our fathers. Ye will not prosper. Yeah, we are four hundred thousand. You are eight hundred thousand, but you will not prosper because God is with us. God, you are against God. What a faith! A declaration of faith in the minority. A great declaration of faith against the odds. That is where faith is. God, I have no more money. God, I have no power in this area. I cannot handle it. God, I'm getting very weak. I cannot do this. But we have God. We are not fighting against men now. We are fighting against the forces of darkness. In places. Creeping slowly. Getting very, very popular. God have mercy on us that we do not yield to that. And so, what was the reaction of Jeroboam? It was just rejection. All this warning given by Abijah, he just rejected. Not only the warning of Abijah, but he rejected God. And that's the main thing today. Because they reject God, they will not listen to God's word. And so it was his defeat. In verse 13, But Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come about behind them. So they were before Judah, and ambushment, and behind them. I will handle this. You are 400,000, I'll put 400,000 in front, and I'll put 400,000 behind the ambushment. You might have been remembered the book of Judges, when uh, they captured Jericho, ah, powerful. Oh, there's another place we can capture, AI. Oh, we don't have to bring so many soldiers there. We can capture them. But they were killed, many of them. And so they came, Joshua was crying, Lord, what have we done? Somebody took something from Jericho. Oh, by tribe, by family, and there, Achan was found out. He had stolen certain garment and gold pieces. He was stoned to death. And God said, now go, AI. You'll take it. A part will go. Visible, a part will sneak behind. When they go, and the next morning when they come, they'll be attacked. You will draw the people. They want to do the same what happened a few days ago. They killed a lot of Israelites. But then the one here behind burned AI. And when the people of soldier AI looked back with all the smoke, they didn't know where to go. Because it was not only smoke, the soldiers were also coming. And so, Jeroboam said, I use this own strategy. But God was not with him. God was not with him. Hallelujah! Mm-hmm. See, you might have good strategy, but if God is not there, won't succeed. And sometimes churches would go, good program, strategy, and on. No, that's not the factor. Is God with you? And so, I'm not sure I put this on the screen, on the screen. Okay. And when Judah looked back, behold, the battles before and behind, and they cried unto the Lord, and the priests sounded with their trumpets. Now, with this realization of the Abus, Here is Judah and Benjamin and a few from Ephraim. 400,000. 400, 
and front, 400,000 at the back. What did they do? It says there, they cried unto the Lord. They were not crybabies. They were praying. When the Bible says they cried unto the Lord, they were not babies. Crybabies, no. They cried. They went to prayer. And I am so proud. Our many Christian leaders called the nation to pray. Called the nation to pray. Even at Washington, D.C. There in front of Washington, D.C. People came to pray. Identified even now. This after his election and many are marching down there in Washington, declaring, Lord, we trust in you. And as they're marching, they're singing hymns to the Lord. They cry to the Lord. Secondly, the priest sounded the trumpet. Okay, they cried to the priest. Told it, lightning attack. It just gives the drive. Go, attack. And it was. Come on, Christians, cast your votes. And so many who never voted before came out. <laughs> Especially the minority. They were coming out of voting, casting their votes. Powerful. Hallelujah. And they shouted. And he talks about they pulled their swords, their spears, and they ran. Wow. They shouted. Maybe you see some uh, uh, television programs, especially. Uh, not in the modern military, the guns and the airplanes. You don't hear them shouting. But in Africa, other nations, when they come to attack, they're all shouting, you know, to give the drive and the uh, stamina. They're all shouting. Hallelujah. They were ready to attack. And so, what is the wonderful picture here? Then the men of Judah gave a shout. As the men of Jesus shouted, it came to pass. God smote Jeroboam and Israel before Abijah and Judah. God did the fight. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I'm so happy today. Many Christians are seeing nothing. Oh, we're helpless. We cannot do. We're not there. You know, uh, this computer is uh, messing things around. Christians are just singing hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, you will take, and all that is being discovered and exposed. God is so wonderful. Huh. It's so exciting. I don't have to go out. Tribe of Judah just overcame and wiped out the children of Israel. That makes me sad. Because in this warfare, it was blood. To be shed. But today we are praying that the name of Christ will be exalted and the church will be free. Free to gather in the churches to sing his praises. And the churches, the schools will be free to bring back the Bible study, bring back prayer, and hallelujah. The past few years I heard about Bible distribution by the Gideons. They cannot go to the school, but only wait in the streets. And as the students are going out, that's the only time they can hand Bibles. Larry Tutuya, who once in a while does, is part of Gideon. That's where they go. They cannot go to the school. Before they could do that. Now they could not. No Bible studies in the school. And restrooms, male or female, no distinction. You can go. I mean, just becoming very immoral. But we are praying that morality will be brought back. The fear of God will be brought back. Amen. And this is only won by prayer. And by God, He will do it. Beyond what we can do. 
So I've come to a few conclusions here. Maybe you have yours. I'd just like to share. We prayed before the election. Let's believe God will bring out his results. That's what we want. Somebody made the expression. It doesn't mean that what you pray for, you get it your way. It may be the other way. First century, when Christ resurrected from the grave, and disciples were now filled with the Holy Spirit, did evangelism become easy? No. There was a guy that they brought up, Saul himself, got the Christian, put them in jail, killed them. And he was not happy doing the work in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. He wanted to go all the way north to Damascus. Very ambitious. But on his way, it was not somebody else who convinced him. It was not somebody else who stopped him. Jesus stopped him on his way. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Oh, the voice coming from heaven. You're Lord. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. Hallelujah. The word came through. Jesus can deal with his enemies. It was not some smart evangelist. It was not some smart apostle. Jesus himself did it. In this election, I believe, Jesus has to be the one to bring this all according to his will. What happened to Saul? Did he change the temperature around the Christian become popular? No. He was even in attack. Even on his last trip, before he would go to Rome, when he went to Jerusalem to observe the Holy Week, rather the day when they have the celebration, he was caught and they were ready to kill him. But God stood and not have given. There are some people who want to kill Saul. So soldiers were sent to accompany him and finally get free trip all the way to Rome. He did not change the environment, but he protected servants. You be servant, it will not be easy. Paul did not have it easy, but he kept to the end. And as a prisoner in Rome, he was a prisoner, but many in the, in the palace had come to know Jesus Christ. It will not be easy necessarily, but then we will have to stand for the Lord. I am very grateful to you. I don't know who you are or who did not vote, but I thank the Lord for many Christians went to vote. And we have a great peaceful demonstration. Wow, no burning, no killing. Oh, thousands of Christians marching, singing, glorifying God. Pray. Oh, hallelujah. Exact different from those burnings that happened so long. And have to claim the victory in the name of Jesus. Abijah had his faith. His grandfather failed because of the hundreds of wives he had and the concubines that his grandfather had. Even Rehoboam. He started right. But then on, the Caesar, he was an evil king. But a background for Abijah. But Abijah knew God. Hallelujah. Do you know God? In where you are, in the environment you are working, 
do you reflect the love of Jesus Christ? The glory of Jesus Christ. Only He can bring that victory in your heart. And again, Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. Not only salvation, but the plan and purposes of God in your life and in your family will be applied by the glory of God. For the glory of God. Hallelujah. Two Sundays ago, we taped the message. Or oh, the last Sunday. And I listened to it. I sounded like a very mad person. Not like the one when I do recording podcasts at home. Talking gently. I'm so excited. I'm really, I don't know, I'm so excited giving God's word. So pardon me if I feel like being too hard. But I just want to deliver. Your faith will be rewarded. According to your faith, Jesus said, it will be given unto you. Father in heaven, thank you. Even this faith that we need, that you require, we cannot produce. It's your gift. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit. It is you. It is only up, it will be up to us. Do we receive it? Do we apply it? And cast our faith on you, oh God. I pray that you will be done in our lives. You are our God. You are our Lord, our Savior, our King. We trust in you. You love us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless.